Hello, and welcome to another episode of Simply Feedback, the podcast produced by Learning Bridge. Our guest today is Dwayne Tucker, founder of DT Consulting, also CEO of Lead Public Schools and Senior Advisor with Compass Executives. He has over 30 years of leadership experience, and his specialties include HR reengineering, senior management consultation skills, culture change leadership, and strategy development. Dwayne's career has taken him to a variety of jobs, from managing a pizza hut to leading HR for several Fortune 500 companies. He has an incredible story and a passion for equality in education and giving back to his community. Dwayne, it's great to have you uh, join us on the podcast today. I look forward to our conversation. Well, thanks for having me. You bet. You know, the podcast is titled Simply Feedback, and one of my favorite questions is to just ask you to tell us about a time that somebody gave you feedback personally, some feedback that perhaps had a significant impact on your life. Is there a story or an anecdote you could share with us? Yes, I do. I have a great story, and it was probably over 30 years ago, and I had the pleasure of working with First Data Corporation, and we had elected to put in a leadership development program, and our focus was on developing credible leaders across our organization. So I partnered with Paul Gasky, who was a founder of Leadership Research Institute out in California. And uh, through that process, Paul became my personal executive coach. And I'll never forget the first feedback session where I received my 360 results and what a humbling experience it was to uh, understand that other people were perceiving me differently than I thought I was uh, performing Mm -hmm. at. And uh, that allowed me to learn a lot about, you know, how to become better, a better leader and how to process feedback and become more self-aware. And uh, at that time, I was an HR executive for First Data. And through Paul's ongoing coaching process and and continued 360 feedback uh, programs that I went through, I was able to transition out of HR over time and actually get a real job and and run a P&L business with total revenues over uh, $500 million. So mm. uh, I attribute all of that success to Paul's consistent uh, support in terms of providing executive coaching feedback uh, to myself and, and always will appreciate that opportunity to go through the process. That's fantastic. That can really make a difference as you start to get that feedback from other people, like you said, as 360-degree feedback getting all of those different perspectives and really comparing that to what your own perceptions of how you're doing. And you can really, you see those differences and you can start to make changes based on that feedback. That's great. Tell us just a little bit, Dwayne, you mentioned a few different areas where you've worked. And I talked about it in in that bio at the beginning of the episode just a little bit, but how did you get started? How did, What was it that drew you towards the areas that you've worked? What's some of your background? I actually started my career in logistics. I worked for United Parcel Service uh, through high school and through college. And uh, quite candidly, I, I sort of backed into becoming an HR exec mm-hmm. because my first seven years at UPS was, was all focused on hub operations, which were pre-sorting packages, loading packages, unloading packages. And and then uh, if you ever work for UPS, it's a great opportunity to stay in shape because <laughs> <laughs> it's very hot inside those uh, trailers. And uh, and then as we began to enter into the winter season and as I graduated to go to Tennessee State University, I needed more flexible time. And, and uh, UPS created a part-time uh, human resource recruitment job specifically for myself. 
And uh, that allowed me to, quote unquote, move into an office environment <laughs> and get out of the uh, extreme conditions in the hub operations. But it taught me a lot about hiring and recruitment of staff members. And uh, that became my passion uh, and something I wanted to devote my career to. And uh, that late led to an opportunity for me to manage labor relations and uh, employee communications as part of that part-time management role. And I met some uh, senior executives uh, after completing my tenure at, at UPS who were connected with a lot of large companies that were based in Nashville. And, and one of those executives that I partnered with uh, took interest in myself. And uh, I then left UPS to go to uh, Dallas to work for uh, Notel in their headquarters there. And uh, from there, uh, I blossomed into a, uh, a senior HR executive for them and had the opportunity to go through several organizational transformations there from decentralizing to centralizing to get closer to our customers. And I always had a passion for uh, becoming an entrepreneur. So my initial approach to human resources was to ensure that we were meeting our internal customer expectations and, and that the organization was more run efficiently uh, like you would a business. And uh, that led to developing certain metrics to measure the return on investment for HR expenditures, which was a little bit unique at the time. And uh, then that opened up other opportunities to uh, work in uh, other organizations in the human resources area. But my passion was always running a business. And uh, by the time I got to the twilight of my career, I, I made the complete transition over to running P&Ls for Alliance Data Systems based in Dallas, uh, which allowed me not only to use my people skills, but uh, most of my time there was transforming underperforming business units. And that's probably my last seven years of my career, but I'm most proud of running a, a successful set of businesses. That's fantastic. So Dwayne, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the project or the area that you're focused on right now, which is education. Could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Lead Public Schools and and kind of how you got into that area? Sure. That's a great question, Troy. And uh, after retirement, I wanted to figure out what my next career focus could be. And, and uh, I'd like to try to get in most organizations and be transformational with those. And academia has always been an area which I thought I could bring some of the best practice from the people development side into that kind of environment and be successful. So mm -hmm. uh, Lee Public Schools is the largest charter school network in Nashville, Tennessee. We, uh, we run a total of six schools, four of my middle schools, five through uh, eight, and then uh, we have two high schools, nine through 12. So roughly about 3,000 students, and most of those students are in the inner city within Nashville and have been in schools who which have underperformed for decades. And uh, what we do is go in and transform those schools into high-performing schools. And I'm proud to you know, serve as a CEO. I joined the board back in, uh, I think, 2009 and worked my way up to become board chair. And then uh, we had to make a difficult decision to change out the CEO. And the board asked me to serve as the interim CEO. And I, I thought, what a great opportunity to run a collection of schools. And and try to take some of the best practices and bring them into uh, making uh, this environment sustainable over time. And I use the Southwest Airlines analogy. And what we've done at uh, Lee Public Schools over the past two years is to 
create a culture that's uh, performance-based. Uh, so all of our teachers, we're the only charter school network or, or public school network uh, in Nashville that has a pay-for-performance mm -hmm. uh, component. So 100% of our teachers uh, pay based on their performance and can earn up to a 10% raise every year. It's pretty innovative in terms of the plan design uh, because it's not tied to standardized testing results. It's tied to the individual teacher's performance in the classroom. So we take four observations over the course of the year mm -hmm. and we average those together. And then my teachers can actually predict what raise they're going to receive on July 1st of each school year uh, a couple months in advance. So it's, it's fascinating. This year we we retained uh, our first year of having that program in place. We retained 90% uh, of our high-performing teachers across our network. So the lagging indicators there suggest that the, the plan is working. We also introduced this year pay for performance for all other non-teaching roles. So we have a total of 350 staff members that leave public schools and all of them are on a pay for performance compensation plan. We had an opportunity to take another best practice. And one of the things that I've seen in education, which I believe contributes to the inability to uh, make transformational change that's sustainable in academics is there's not an investment into the leadership development uh, component of that. So if you take one of our uh, middle schools as an example, if we have 500 students there, we get roughly $10,000 per student that's taxpayer funding to run that school. Mm -hmm. So you may have a fresh out of college individual who performed well academically, uh, who wants to be an administrator in a school system, but uh, under 30 years of, of age running a $5 million business, if you want to call it that, uh, but with no prior leadership training uh, for that role. So we instituted two years ago, executive coaching, and we take all of our school principals and our senior staff through a uh, 360 feedback process. Uh, we also use uh, four psychometric assessments to help them better understand their personality type. Mm -hmm. We create a uh, individualized executive development program for each one of our executives. And uh, we assign them an executive coach to work with them for six months. Uh, that has foundationally placed us now in a position where we're creating a pipeline of leaders across our network. Uh, and the second phase of what we're doing with that is creating a, a sustainable culture where leadership looks consistently uh, being implemented through a common set of behaviors. We call it our ethos, which in most organizations are their values that they have as an organization. Mm -hmm. So our leadership model has been custom made in terms of a custom made 360 around a set of uh, leadership behaviors that we have normed on as an organization, as the culture that we want to create for leaders, which is a unique way of looking at it as opposed to taking a generic set of management competencies and reviewing you through a 360 process on those. We're using actually what we agreed to that we want to model as an organization. So I think that's going to be transformational for uh, us over time have incredible leaders that go through this process and you can see the maturity and how they grow in terms of leadership capabilities, I believe are, are going to have an impact in terms of uh, uh, family engagement, staff engagement, uh, and their abilities to continue their long-term relationship for our school systems. And it's a different approach, uh, but I think it's had some very positive outcomes so far.
that's really fantastic. I, it's interesting and exciting to me to hear what you're doing there um, with Lead Public Schools. I was going to ask you about how you're using feedback in the organization, but you really hit on a number of different places. It sounds like you got, you're using feedback for the teachers who get observed four times a year. You're also applying that to your staff now. And then the feedback that you're giving to your leadership at each school with the 360 degree feedback, um, the personality tests, the executive coaching, it seems like there's really feedback going all over the place and is really able to make a difference, it sounds like. Hey, everyone. I wanted to interrupt today's episode for just a minute to talk to you a little bit about feedback. We're in the middle of the podcast, Simply Feedback. And as you know, that's all about helping people to use feedback to make the most of their careers and lives. Over the years we've been doing this, we've gotten a lot of questions about feedback. And I wanted to tell you we've created a series of short videos that answer the various questions that we've received. To get to these videos, go to learningbridge.com tips. You can watch the first three videos that explain the four types of feedback that people give and how to act on each type. Then, while you're there at learningbridge.com tips, go ahead and subscribe to receive a short video each week usually around two minutes long, that will teach you or remind you of different principles to make the most of feedback so that it works for you. Again, you can find these free videos at learningbridge.com tips and even share the tips with others. Check them out one more time. That's learningbridge.com tips and subscribe for the weekly updates. And now let's get back to today's episode. Yeah, and uh, part of that too, Troy, is that I had the uh, privilege of working with a couple of organizations where, you know, how do you create a culture that's sustainable over time, right? And we picked our ethos, which are our values. And one of those, for example, is being committed. So in order to bring that to life with my 12 senior leaders that report directly to me, I I hosted a opportunity where we all came together and said, okay, let's go around the table. What does being committed mean uh, to each of us? And obviously we got 12 different answers <laughs> about what that meant. And for myself, it means always being available and having an open door policy where you can be able to respond to any employee across our organization who has an issue or an opportunity to have a conversation about things we can get better at. So, for each one of those five ethos, we came up with five non-negotiable leadership behaviors that we all agreed to and said, okay, let's load all those into our 360 feedback process and then seek feedback from individuals who report to us through that. Now, that's only one part of that. So we're really trying to get the values or the ethos off the wall and, and make them into our day-to-day -day activities where it looks consistent across our network. But there are other components of that that really bring it to life over time. And what we're doing now is reevaluating all of our recognition programs. Mm -hmm. All of our recognition programs now have those same non-negotiable items in there that are criteria for you to be recognized for outstanding performance, whether it's in your bonus plan, whether it's in the stipend that you receive. It's all being recognized on the common set of behaviors that we agree to. With that, we're changing all of our associate engagement surveys. So we're now asking the staff uh, to give us a, a measurement or a data point on how effective 
we are consistently leading across the organization. So those same set of non-negotiables are the items in our social survey that we uh, are measured on each year. On the back end, uh, we just started this year of changing all of our performance management systems so that everybody who's on a pay for performance program has a component where it has to be in the context of those non-negotiable leadership behaviors. On the back end for our exit interviews, instead of saying, okay, I just didn't like my leader, mm-hmm. we're asking staff who leave to evaluate us on those same non-negotiable behaviors. Early next year, we're going to flip to the front end piece where we're going to start screening new applicants who come to work at Lee Public Schools. About 50% of the time is going to be on the core competencies required to do their job. But watch this. 50% is going to be on screening for a culture fit in the organization against those same non-negotiable behaviors. So now applicants will be asked on the front end, tell me about a time that you were committed mm-hmm. in an organization to validate that they're going to be a good culture fit. So when you do the full end-to-end process, it's hard to hide in the organization and not be culturally aware of what it takes to get rewards, promotions, and the abilities to you know take on a responsibility because it's demonstrated excellence across uh, those areas that we've committed that we wanted to focus on as a leadership team. So you're really getting that ethos built in across the board. Everybody's aligned to the culture even before they apply for the job, potentially making sure that they're aligned exactly. to the culture. That's that's really fantastic. So. As I mentioned, a number of different you've worked in a number of different areas and, and almost different careers of a sort, or certainly different industries, different areas. If if someone is kind of early on in their career, is there some advice that you would have for them as they're trying to figure out their career path? Uh, yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Sure, uh, because I I've tried it a couple of ways in my career, and what I advise people on is to try to figure out what you're most passionate about. And uh, if you can solve that one, then it's not work. And, and, and you're going to have a great career because uh, if you're passionate about it, it won't feel like work to you. But more importantly, start with the ending in mind. So uh, I probably spent the first decade of my career, you know, taking every assignment that was offered to me uh, to fulfill on behalf of the organization. The next 10 years, I realized that not all of those opportunities prepared me to where I really wanted to go uh, with my career. And and I wanted to be an successful profit and loss CEO of of a division and and get out of being just a human resource executive. And then I realized that in order to get there, I need to be intentional about what new assignments that I took on. And to ensure that those assignments were preparing me for where I wanted to end up, right? As opposed to turning around an organization where you're not really learning any new skills that allow you to be perceived as credible, uh, driving revenue and profitability and growing new sales. So my second 10 years, I then decided that in order to get to be a, a CEO, uh, what not only assignments that I need to take to prepare for that, but more importantly, uh, learning from other uh, CEOs about what competencies they relied on and, and seeking them out as mentors so they could help uh, prepare me 
uh, for those experiences. So that second 10 years uh, was all geared and focused on taking uh, other responsibilities that uh, uniquely built the capacity within myself to be qualified to uh, run, you know, multi-million dollar organizations. And mm -hmm. uh, so my advice would be to pick something you're passionate about, decide where you want to go with that in terms of career, and then figure out what the requirements are internally within that organization around career experiences if you want to be the chief operating officer. What prior experience do you need in the operations to be viewed as being qualified, assuming that you perform for that kind of role? So I, I begin to then say, okay, let's let's figure out what it is with the, with the end in mind. And then that helps you determine and prioritize what kind of career uh, investments you want to make in, with your time. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think that's fantastic advice and something that I'll think over as I as I start into, you know, I've been working here with Learning Bridge for 20 years. Uh, so I've been through the, f the first two decades, if you will, and I have to think about, okay, what's what, what's the plan? What's the end in, in my mind, you know, for the next 10 years uh, and make sure that I'm on the path that I want to be on. So over the years, you've, you've served as a coach. You've been in HR quite a bit. Can you share a specific experience or a time when you've seen feedback that someone has received kind of cause a point of inflection in their career or in their life as you've had a chance to work with different folks in a coaching role? Yeah, I've had many executives where, well, I've had some who received uh, very challenging feedback about behaviors that were not appropriate in, in the workplace, who took that feedback and made some significant, what I call behavior changes that are hard because in some cases it's, you know, stop lying to people kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, stop giving people a loyalty test to consider working for you as opposed to just holding them accountable for performing the work. And I've seen some individuals who have transformed themselves uh, well beyond any expectation going into it uh, when I received their feedback and shared it with them that I thought they'd be able to achieve. But, you know, I think the one that's, that's even most simple for me is, mm -hmm. is in the schools. You know, one thing that I value the most about a, a lot of our kids who have uh, been raised by single parents who have two jobs, uh, quarterly, we have a opportunity for all of our students to sit down and share their academic performance with their parent or family member. But in many cases, parents aren't available to attend those sessions. So mm -hmm. the fifth grader, I get a chance to fill in and, and other staff members and members of our board and other community people in that role for the parents. So you sit down and hear a fifth grader talk about what their goals are and what they would like to accomplish. And they walk you through their math and English and, and other subject matters in terms of their performance and explain uh, what they want to do differently about that. But in that dialogue for 30 minutes, you can actually see in the eyes of the student uh, something that, that resonates with them that puts them on a, a trajectory in a different path that could impact their entire life going forward. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one thing to give feedback to an executive that's a, already a multimillionaire that, that sometimes you got to slap them upside the head to respond to the <laughs> feedback. But 
But for a fifth grader, just to have a conversation with them and talk about their performance in the classroom and where they want to go and things that they can consider is like probably one of the most rewarding kind of conversations I've ever had in my career. I can imagine. And rewarding for you. And what a lucky thing for that fifth grader to have <laughs> you. That's a great, uh, a great exchange in both directions, I think. Well, Dwayne, this conversation has been really fascinating, really interesting to me. If people want to know more or if they wanted to continue the conversation with you, is that something you would be open to? Oh, absolutely. What's the best way for them to contact you? I mean, there are you know, different options if you have a website or if you want them to contact us here at the podcast and we can reach out to you. I, I can be reached on LinkedIn. I'm perfectly fine with those who would like to reach out uh, through Learning Bridge and contact me that way. Okay. Or I'm very open to be uh, reached by email at duane.tucker at leadpublicschools.org. Any one of those three options for me. Awesome. I'll be glad. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Like I said, it's really been a pleasure to speak with you and to hear some of your story. And frankly, I admire you for the work you're doing post-retirement to take on a new, practically a whole new career. So it's been wonderful to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. My pleasure.